Today's reading is Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. And it can be found on page 638 in the Bibles, next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a children is born, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God of grace, as we come on such a big day, it may be a big day for us in, in many different kinds of ways, and maybe some of them are good and some of them are painful or hurtful. And some of us come into this room um, maybe more so in this season, and, and we're not um, in a place where a lot of this stuff uh, connects with us on a day-to-day basis, and, and we're okay with that, perhaps. Perhaps you've been distant to us, or we've been distant to you, and and we're, we're not sure what we believe. And others of us come maybe embracing fully things about you and and then within that and some of us maybe have had years where you seem very clear the last 12 months and others of us it seems like you couldn't be further away from us as much as we try to get close to you so we sit here all in so many different places would you help us to um, find that you're piercing through the fog and the haze and 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 putting us all in a sense into a place of awareness where we can see that we're all in the same boat, that all of us, when it comes right down to it, we're more of a mess than we care to admit. And the Christmas story tells us, once again, that through your Son, when you see our mess, when you see a broken world, you move towards us in grace, and you bring a forgiveness of sins that says we're not trying to wrestle our way towards you on our own good deeds, but your affirmation and validation and love come on the basis of what you've already done for us, and that's good news that we look for to pierce through uh, all of the clouds and the darkness and the confusion, even right now. Would you do that and teach us through your grace? In Jesus' name, amen. 
I don't know if you feel like at all you're walking in darkness or life is somewhat dark for you. Do you feel like you need life or you need light right now in life? It's that time of year again. It's dark really early. It's going to start to get dark in the middle of our service in here. We're going to wish maybe we had the lights turned up a little bit more. Um, A few years ago, right at this time of year, I was riding my bike home at about 5 o'clock, and I just wasn't prepared for this. It was, it was dark. I wasn't ready for it. I ran right into a trash can in the bike lane, and I, t- I just picked myself up and looked, just totally hoping no one was sitting on their porch watching and just laughing. I felt so embarrassed. It's that time of year where, you know, it gets dark, and sometimes we're not prepared, and sometimes in the darkness we crash. This week was winter solstice. I don't know if you were aware of that on Thursday. It's the day when all places above a latitude of 66.5 degrees are now in darkness. You know, 24 hours of darkness. And it's a season that can be really dark for many different kinds of reasons. It can be a dark season for us this last week or two. It can be dark emotionally. I think this was captured really well artistically in the movie Forrest Gump. I just remember the scene, I haven't seen it recently, but when Forrest and Captain Dan, Captain Dan, was, they were, they were celebrating New Year's and, um, and, and it just really captured how things can be so emotionally dark, even amidst all the celebrating and all the apparent gladness and joy. It can be really dark. You might be feeling in the holidays the darkness of loneliness. You might be feeling the darkness of, an, of the emptiness of a busy life, one that you've led this year that didn't include much soul nurture. We sit down for the holidays, and sometimes we feel the darkness of not being able to recreate our childhood, or very differently, maybe the darkness of remembering our childhood. Or we sit at a table with people we know, but all we feel is the darkness of absence, the absence of someone we love. And how was 2011? Sometimes we have what feels like an entire year of darkness, or two, or three. And so what do you do? What's your game plan? What's your strategy to find light again? How do you open up the blinds yourself to light back in? All over our country, there's this, this common problem that's been happening. Um, all over our country, streets, street lights are going dark. People have stolen fires out. And so there's not light in many of the places where there's supposed to be light. You know, people apparently, they'll hook the wires up to a motorcycle and just drive off and get all the copper pulled out and then sell it. So it's very common. You go to places where you expect there to be light, and it's dark. And I wonder if that feels anything like your own attempts to get a hold of light in life when things are dark. The light's just not where you thought it was going to be. The context of Isaiah chapter 9 involves a young king whose situation was very dark. Darkness was closing in. Foreign armies were, were, were surrounding the southern tribe of Israel, Judah, And this whole people group, God's chosen Israel, was at the verge of being snuffed out. King Ahaz was this young king, the king of Judah, and he was in his 20s or 30s. 
Many of you are in your 20s and 30s. That's when he reigned as king. And Isaiah the prophet was sent by God to go have a conversation with him, to meet him and bring him a message. See, Ahaz um, had lived by the way of the world's prescriptions of how you find light. You know, the, the, the cultural common sense. But these prescriptions now suddenly it seems weren't working out so well as the Assyrian army closed in. He, he had, just to give you an idea, he had literally sacrificed one of his children in the efforts of, of finding success. We recoil maybe at the thought of that and certainly the, the God of Israel um, um, spoke against that. But he did it nonetheless. And in his day, the common reaction might have been, wow, what, what commitment to success this king has. What a king. I could never do what he does. He really is just grabbing the bull by the horns and doing what you simply have to do to get the sun to shine on your, light, on your life. And Ahaz would occasionally pay tribute to the God of Israel, but it was very peripheral and not central. And so Isaiah is sent to meet him at the aqueduct to the upper pool. And, and Isaiah is bringing a message from God, a surprising message really, to this, um, this person who had kept God in a peripheral kind of place in his life. And this is the, the message. You have nothing to worry about, King Ahaz. Just trust me. Don't do what the kings of your time do. I'm all you need. Stand firm. Be calm. Don't be afraid. If you trust me, I got this handled. You know, as armies close in. The young king was unresponsive. So Isaiah says, okay, listen. Ask God for a sign, anything. Just ask God for some kind of sign, whatever you need, anything that you want to assure you that God can do this to help you believe, to help you have faith, anything. The young king says, I won't do it. I won't ask. Not interested. No thanks. I got this handled. And now Isaiah, you know, from his perspective, he's looking on at, a, at someone making just a catastrophic, naive Move that's going to bring not only his life but the this whole nation into ruin. And it's not just that that he's witnessing that right before his see it plain as day, but it, it, it's more brazen than that because you see that that it's happening right in the face of such incredible grace. This king had done nothing, had spent no time um, pursuing even doing anything that would earn God's favor, and yet here we have. God's response. You know, here's the guy in his youth, he had made a mess out of things. I don't know if you, if you can relate to that. He brought a lot of darkness on himself. And God, God's response, pay very close attention, is to move towards him with a new chance, a new lease on life, a chance to open up the blinds and let the light shine in. And he says, nope, I don't want your light. I don't even want a sign of it. If you know, if I if I ask for a sign, I might actually have to believe. So I'm not even going to ask. So Isaiah's response, I don't know. You know, it's not described here in such a way that we would know the intonation or the look on his face. But I'm pretty sure that these chapters of Isaiah, where this prophecy is that we read today, that they weren't spoken calmly with with harps and singing behind him. Um, perhaps it sounded. A little more like this. 
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's how it sounded. As he said these things, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and, and will call him Emmanuel. You don't, you're not going to ask for a sign. It's going to come anyway. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Oh, you'll be dead. <laughs> you know, you just picture it. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Nothing you do, King Ahaz, the zeal of the Lord. <sighs> Let me find my place here. There it is. What Isaiah is basically saying is, uh, okay, you don't want to sign. You don't want to listen. You know what? In the end, it doesn't matter. There's a, f there's a flicker of light, and it's not going to get snuffed out. God is not going to give up. God's not going to let this flame go out. It's going to get fanned into flame eventually anyways. And sure enough, 700 years later, that light hadn't completely gone out. Even after... The Assyrians do come in and bring darkness for King Ahaz and for, for Israel and for Judah. Um, and even after that, more darkness. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and 700 years later, there's still a small remnant of those faithful people who were willing to pay attention to signs. They were open to God's signs. Elizabeth, Mary, you know, these names that come up every, every Christmas the shepherds, the magi, Simeon, Anna. These were a few people who still held 700 years later that Isaiah's message was true, that you will not find light in the world's prescriptions, which in the end will disappoint and bring only darkness. But only God can begin to expel the darkness, and he will and he did through a virgin birth, a son that was given, called Emmanuel. And then when that child grew up, when Jesus grew up and his ministry came into full public view, signs and wonders and miracles were central to what ended up happening. Uh, and some, some people came, though, with the same kind of cynicism of Ahaz. And they came and they mocked Jesus. Others heard about Jesus, but they wouldn't even go out to see any signs. Because if they went out, again, they might be confronted with whether or not to believe. But some flocked eagerly with no reservations to believe in signs that the light of the world had come. And some came with their wounds, and they were healed. And there were even some who came hesitantly with questions and doubt, like Nicodemus, who came in the dark. <laughs> but ended up finding light in Jesus. So, to wrap up, as we go to enjoy family and friends and food and gifts, will we amidst it, will we suspect a little bit that the world's prescriptions, that culture's common sense might actually bring darkness, disappointment, even distance from God? And will we look for our light elsewhere? The angel said to the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. A sign. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
What were Isaiah's words? Trust. Calm down. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. I got this. And I'll, flan, I'll fan this, this flickering flame into full light in your life and for the world. Let us pray. God, would you help us because often we even find ourselves in a place where we, the spark that we maybe even have of faith just, just feels like it's an ember that's going out. And so we even need your help to fan our faith into flame. God, would you help us to have a view of things as this year comes to an end and as we perhaps celebrate Christmas tonight and tomorrow. Help us to have a framework with you in it, increasingly moving to the center of our lives so that we might find light in a dark world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.